This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Listening to the Fish Untamed podcast, where we talk all things fishing, conservation, and the outdoors. Today on the show, I'm talking to Jay Benjamin, co-founder of Big Sky Rentals. All right, welcome to episode number twenty of the Fish Untamed podcast. Today I got a chance to talk to Jay Benjamin, who is one of the co-founders of Big Sky Rental, which is an outdoor gear rental company. And I'm sure most people who do anything outside uh, in terms of hobbies has probably realized that a lot of the gear that we use can be a little limiting in how expensive it is, especially if you're just getting started or don't know what exact brand or type of gear you want to use. So Jay and his business partner Bob decided to start a rental company in hopes that Uh, People who are just getting started in an outdoor sport or uh, maybe want to try some new gear or even uh, people who are traveling and just don't feel like taking their gear with them would be able to have a more affordable solution that doesn't sacrifice the quality. Um, Jay and Bob offer a lot of pretty name brand gear um, in the hunting, fishing, and camping world uh, just for those who want to use quality gear but don't want to break the bank doing so. One last thing to point out before getting started is that this was originally supposed to be a three-way conversation between Jay, Bob, and myself, um, but Bob ended up having to bail shortly into the conversation. So um, I do mention at the beginning that I'm talking to two people, but this um, ended up just being a conversation between me and Jay. So just wanted to make that clear so people weren't wondering where the third person was. Uh, Also, I do have one last announcement before we get started, and that is that this will be the final episode of Fish Untamed that is appearing on the Wild Initiative feed. Uh, I really enjoyed working with Sam and getting to provide some fishing content for his podcast. 
Uh, but the timing just kind of worked out for both of us. I had been planning to switch over to my own feed at some point anyway. And talking to him, uh, the timing just kind of worked out where I was ready to switch and he had a lot on his plate. So we figured this would be a good time for me to kind of just break off and do my own podcast. I wouldn't be surprised if I end up having Sam on here at some point or if I go back on his show. Uh, we still keep in pretty close contact. But um, So if you're hearing this on the Wild Initiative feed and you want to keep hearing episodes of Fish Untamed, go ahead and go over to Apple Podcasts or anywhere else you subscribe to podcasts and just search for Fish Untamed by itself. Uh, you should find it there under its own feed. And all my pre-existing episodes will stay on Sam's podcast and will also be available on my own feed. So you shouldn't have too much trouble finding episodes from here on out. But if you are listening on the Wild Initiative, just go ahead and subscribe to Fish Untamed by itself as well if you want to keep getting episodes. But with that little bit of housekeeping out of the way, we can head over to my conversation with Jay Benjamin. All right, perfect. Um, Well, usually I start off by just asking how... Um, I guess got into you know fishing or fly fishing. Um, it, this is my first one with two people, so if you guys want to just take turns, um, either talking about how you got into fishing or just the outdoors in general, if if that's more your jam. Yeah, sure. I think um, Jay Benjamin here to to answer your question. I I'm fairly new in the world of of fly fishing and after doing a lot of research, realized there's a great culture to it. But the reason Big Sky came to be or that uh, really I was introduced to fly fishing was my boss is a huge fly fishing um, outdoorsman. And he had invited uh, Bob and myself on a pretty deluxe fly fishing trip out west in Wyoming, you know, kind of wading along some rivers out there, camping at night, fly fishing by day. And <clears throat> we, we uh, both Bob and I were thinking about going on the trip and, you know, convincing our wives to let us spend a week out west, um, you know, on a boys trip. And once I got looking at prices of, of uh, gear and, and flights and all that, I realized that while this would be awesome, for somebody who does it sparingly like myself or who was not exposed to fly fishing and more of a camper and more of a hunter that um, there's an an opportunity there to make these activities more affordable and more, you know, more available to the, to the public and, you know, entice people like myself who hadn't had the opportunity to fly fish to do so more often. And since then I've had the opportunity to do so um, a couple times and have loved it and have researched it and um, learned about it from, from experts, from, you know, from avid fly fishermen, fly fisher women, and, you know, are, are really excited about making it more available to, you know, good gear and, and renting. But for me, I would say I'm even still a novice in, in the world of fly fishing. Yeah, I feel like that's what I hear a lot is, uh, you know, most people didn't really get their starts, you know, diving headfirst into fly fishing, but a lot of people end up kind of finding it after a while. Um, and even if they don't completely switch over to it, it it's kind of something that um, starts to ingrain itself more into people's lives as they get older. So do you want to talk a little bit about um, Big Sky Rentals? Sure. Uh 
Big Sky Rentals at its core is trying to make fly fishing, camping, and hunting uh, available to everybody. So, you know, in our experience, we learned that, you know, gear can be expensive and, um, you know, more so there's a lot of gear out there. So what is it that people need when they're going on a fly fishing trip to Montana versus to the Bahamas or, um, you know, camping in Northern Manitoba versus New Mexico or, or hunting for, you know, pheasant versus duck versus whitetail. And so, you know, our hope is to alleviate kind of the out the outdoorsman as well as the everyday person who doesn't get to do this as often from the you know financial stress as well as the uh, kind of concern over what is it I need so you know getting top of the line gear for a fraction of the retail price and getting it drop shipped to wherever you need it so it's it's easily accessible you put it back in your box once you once it arrives and you've used it and um, you know it's it's as easy as renting it online putting it back in the box and you know you're you're good as good as done with it so you know we realize that we want to carry premium or you know really good gear because uh, you know it it can ruin a trip going on a cold weather camp and not having the appropriate sleeping bag or having waiters that perhaps leak a little bit or aren't catered to that, you know, a rod that's not catered to the right environment. And we had a background in, in rental, really a truck rental business and thought we'd lend, you know, our expertise to a, perhaps a different industry, but alleviating a lot of the, you know, both financial and operational concern with doing these activities, you know, and hopefully making a more sustainable, you know, earth and kind of getting people outdoors more. So what, what's the, um, like the range of gear that you offer? Cause I know when you first uh, mentioned it to me, you had said camping, hunting, and fishing, is it still just camping, hunting, and fishing, or is it is it kind of um, has it expanded into more outdoor activities? I know that encompasses a lot of it, but um, do you do you expand beyond those, or are there plans to expand beyond those? Like, what what's the range of gear that you offer? Yeah, so we we're right now sticking to camping, hunting, and fishing, and trying to master that craft. So that way, um, you know, when Katie Berger calls and she's going on a on a hunting trip we've got everything you need for that specific trip and as customers say hey i really wish you carried um backpacking gear or um you know other outdoor activities alike that we take you know what our customers are demanding and help transition that into new product lines but for now we want to make sure that what we're doing we're doing right Mm -hmm. and sure that uh, it's seamless and don't want to put the cart ahead of the horse. And and within those, um, I guess, categories, like how, how small do these products go? Because like I can I can think of, yeah, it makes sense to perhaps, you know, rent rent out waders, boots, things like that. And for hunting, um, I don't know, like, like what kinds of things do you rent out and how small does that go? Like can I rent a 
fly pack for the day or is it more like the big stuff like rods reels waders things like that right now we're doing big stuff but we're we're still building out our catalog and have every intention of putting fly packs on there um one thing and i know this is primarily a fishing audience but um we don't carry firearms so that's one thing that we we don't have in in our catalog but we are planning to make it as comprehensive as possible so right now we have boots waders uh wheels packs um coolers vests I, i might have said boots but boots if i didn't say that already and we're working with guides and and lodges really to advise us as to what is it that uh, you know either somebody who does this regularly or kind of a newbie out on the water needs to be successful. So a recent comment was, um, you know, needle nose pliers is a must out there. Um, you know, to your point, fly packs are a must. The, the one thing we don't want to take away is the, you know, the need for, for people to be in touch with the guides or the outfitters. We realize that there's a local um, lean, I guess, is maybe the best word to what the fly, you know, what flies do you need for this water? Or the person in that shop has navigated these waters thousands of times. And so, you know, our goal is to make it as seamless for the guides to do what they do best and us help them, you know, kind of manage the inventory a bit and you know, have everybody be hunky-dory out on the water and make it as easy as possible to do so with as much gear that, you know, that a person needs to be out there. Yeah, that makes sense too. I feel like, A, from a standpoint of, it almost doesn't really make financial sense for a person to rent something, let's say like flies or a fly box, because at the end of the day, if you're getting into something like fishing, you know, that's that's the least of your concerns price-wise. I mean, like, where, where you really stack up the money is, like, the big high-ticket items, the rods, the reels, fly lines, things like that. So, at the end of the day, I don't know if it is really, um, you know, absolutely necessary for people to be able to rent, like, the very smallest things. Uh, if you can't drop 20 bucks to, to go fishing, I'm not sure if fishing is for you. Right. Um, but that said, I also feel like there's a, a benefit to people, you know, learning their own flies and, you know, you do go to the local fly shop and talk to someone there and they can explain to you, you know, why they're picking out these flies for you to buy. So I think also it, it kind of keeps that connection alive between um, the angler and where they're actually going to fish uh, versus kind of having the entire thing spoon fed to them, not not to take away from the rental. Um, I think there's a benefit for sure to getting, you know, the big gear that a lot of, a lot of first timers don't have, but I think it is good to kind of maintain a little bit of that connection like you said between the angler and their local fly shop who can kind of get them a little bit more connected to the water through some of those smaller items that they're going to need to go in there and buy yeah i couldn't couldn't agree more um in doing our research and you know at iftd and in the fly fishing show and, and getting to talk to um many guides you know that that was some really key feedback i think was you know the commentary we got back was as a guide, they're having to manage inventory to a variety of shapes, sizes of people. And really what they're 
best at and what they love to do is advise people on how to catch fish and where to be on the water and how to get on the water and not necessarily, you know, buying different size waders from a size 52 waist to a, you know, six foot seven, you know, height person. And so, you know, our hope is, is to partner with, with those folks to make it that, you know, I don't think we'll ever be able to replace the knowledge base, nor do we have any intention to replace that knowledge base of, of the local fly shop or, mm-hmm. or guide or outfitter, because I think they're integral to really getting people out on the water and being successful out on the water. So on that note, do, do you uh, kind of focus on more on the individual who would like to rent gear for, let's say, a trip they're taking, or are you kind of... Um, hoping to focus a little bit more on renting to uh, larger groups like that, like a, like a lodge or a shop who, who wants to have gear available to um, their clientele, but doesn't have the ability to like maintain that type of inventory. I would say we lean, lean towards both. So um, in our, in our experience, there's a much larger population of individuals who, you know, can, more on the, you know, business to customer side, B2C of, you know, here are all the people kind of in the U.S. who who could afford to go on a fishing trip and would think about renting. We certainly want to offer that to the general masses and, and do so that way. But there are also a lot of folks who are doing corporate travel or group travel who, you know, are signing up to be at a lodge and don't necessarily know what all that encompasses to, to go on this vacation mm-hmm. might not hear about us just through the internet or through podcasts or social. And so, you know, getting to those people through, you know, through the help of lodges and, and helping those lodges make it more affordable for people to come to them, I think is kind of the joint goal there. So, you know, a few angles, you know, helping, helping guides or outfitters, you know, manage, manage the inventory to, you know, help them be more successful as well as getting their customers out in, in nice, you know, high quality gear, getting lodges, you know, availed to a larger population of folks who can now afford to go on that trip since they don't have to buy the gear and then to the general public. So, you know, people who, who, like myself, I guess that would be, you know, more in my scenario of didn't really know what I was needing and didn't really know where I was going as somewhere that they can go to as a knowledge base and for, and for gear. Yeah. So do you help people choose what gear they need? Like, do you, um, kind of take into consideration what, what their goals are and then, kind of outfit them from your side or is it more that people come to you and say, Hey, I need such and such for this trip I'm taking. Like who, who's providing the information on what gear needs to be rented in like any given uh, yeah. transaction. Right now it's, it's much more so the latter um, of people telling us what they need, but we're, we're building out our website and really want to get to the former of, Hey, I'm going to Christmas Island what what am I going to need and what what sort of offerings can you tailor to Christmas Island versus, you know, what you carry to go to Colorado. Um, and we want to be, you know, 
we're we're building out kind of a customer service portal of hey um, these are experts who who have been to different geographies or know the landscapes who can lend advice to what you're going to need based upon the excursion you're you're about to embark on. Yeah, I can see both of those being really valuable because you know, for example, if I were going somewhere, um, let's just say East Coast, where it's like I don't really want to take all my gear with me. I'm like I'm familiar with the species out there, but maybe I don't know exactly what weight rod I need. But for the most part, I feel like I could I could tell you you know what I need for that. Um, but on that on the other hand, if I went down to the saltwater, I'd have no idea what I was doing, even though I'm very familiar with fly fishing. Um, I'd still be lost in that situation. Uh, so I think even individuals. It's it's not just a how new are you to the sport um, determining whether you're going to need help choosing. It can just be as simple as I don't know the conditions for for where I'm going or I've never fished for this species before. Um, right. So I think having that knowledge base would be really helpful for people, even if it's a very experienced angler coming to you guys, just being like, I'm not sure what I need for this particular situation. And I think to to pile on to that, Katie, one of the things that we thought was kind of beautiful about about the idea as we developed it is you know for experienced anglers like yourself who either are trying out a new geography or species or or are kind of tired of their own own gear that they have you know that sits in their basement for mm-hmm. a amount of time is hey this is a relatively cheap way to test out premium gear to decide if, if I want to be a a buyer of it Mm -hmm. um or you know if i'm going on an exotic hunt or or fish it's just something that's not going to be in my repertoire moving forward and it's a once in a lifetime deal so so why why should i mess with it or buy it once for it to sit you know in my garage or basement and and you know kind of resent it after the trip long term so so I guess in short, we agree with you there. So I think it's a pretty cool opportunity. Yeah, that's a good point because um, I, didn't, I didn't really think about that. But, you know, for example, you can go to a fly shop and like, you know, if it's a good fly shop, you should be able to cast a couple different rods to get the feel of them. Um, and of course, that's 10 times better than trying to wiggle a rod around with no line on it. Um, you know, you like see, you see people doing that, walking in and just, you know, jiggling the rod around and like, well, what did you learn from that? You didn't, you didn't cast yeah. it or anything. Um, so if you go to a good fly shop, you should be able to go out and at least take a couple casts with a couple different rods. But at the end of the day, um, it still doesn't tell you as much about how much you like it as actually going out on the water for a full day, trying different casts in different situations, fighting a fish on the line. Um, I, I don't feel like I really know a rod until I fished it a handful of times. And then I can kind of pick out the, um, the idiosyncrasies of that specific rod and, and learn how it how it functions during each type of cast and while I'm bringing in a fish and things like that. So that is a it, it does it does sound like basically an upgrade from just going to your fly shop and casting a couple different rods. Um, it's kind of just like a try it before you buy it, but for more of an extended time. Yeah, we think so too, and, and we're offering you know for for folks that try it and and don't like it, you just put it back in the box, right, and you're done with it. But for folks who who are enjoying it or, or like that reel or like that rod or even like those waders, you know, you name it. We're um, also establishing a rent to purchase option. Okay. That's pretty cool. Like 
you know, what we're looking for is basically as many ways to make it accommodating to, you know, to be out there and to, to do business with us as well. You know, that that's kind of a bonus of it, but really, you know, people who are testing it out and spend, you know, $50 to have it out for the day, you know, they want to put some of that money towards what, what it would be to buy it if they end up liking it. And, mm. you know, we think that, that that'll have some merit to our customers. So what's the process if, if someone wants to rent something? Like if, uh, how, how long can you rent things? What's the rough cost? Is it different costs for different items? Like if basically from start to finish, what is the process of, of renting the gear and then getting it back to you guys um, and all the steps in between? Yeah, so um, for starters, you'd find us on our website at bigskyrent.com and you would be looking at kind of a variety of options once you get there. So we have an a la carte option for those of you who are interested in just a rod or just a reel or, or just a pair of boots or you name it. And then we have the, you know, packages option, which has, you know, kind of the big items that we discussed that, that, um, you know, you would need for a day out on the water. And so what you would do is, you know, select the dates that you need it. And right now um, we're asking for, and really kind of testing this as we're new, I think, frankly, Katie, the the dates are going to be shortened here, but Originally, we were asking for week-long, um, you know, kind of rental commitments, knowing that a lot of people are taking four to five days to be out on the water, but n- now realizing there are a lot of folks who are just going out for the weekend. So um, you can expect to see that change, but you would pick your start date and, you know, select your size, and then we would send you a follow-up email to make sure that all, all of what we're providing is compatible for for what you need and for your geography. And once you confirm that, you can expect to see a box with our logo on it arrive either at your front door or at the lodge you're staying at or whatever postal address you're putting on there for us to ship it um, a couple of days before before your excursion. And, uh, you know, you go out, enjoy yourself on the water, you know, hopefully dry the waders off a little bit before they get back in the box and then, uh, you know, throw it all in there and drop it off at FedEx. We have a return label in there. So all you have to do is put it on there and put a little tape on there to seal it up and you're done with it at that point. And what's the process? I mean, ideally, ideally this would never happen, but if someone, you know, breaks a rod or rips a hole in their waders or something like that, how's that handled? Yeah, um, it's on a case-by-case basis, but we realize that, look, customer satisfaction is everything in in this business as well as, you know, people don't want to go on vacation and and have hassles. So if it means overnighting a rod or, um, you know, if you've got a puncture in your waders, calling our, you know, our customer line and, and us walking you through how to patch it or or what to do there we will you know spare no cost to make sure that it is right for for our customers because look it's a whole lot more damaging to 
you know, to have somebody leave and say, you know what, I just didn't have a great experience with their gear and they didn't do a great job of helping me out when I was in a bind. That's a whole lot more costly to us than sending a new rod. Yeah, I feel like that just takes a lot of the stress out of it, too. I know that if I ever borrow somebody's gear, there's always, I mean, I I can relax. I know it's usually like one of my friend's things is not going to destroy our friendship if I break their rod. But there's always a little something in the back of my mind that's just saying, like, I I really don't want to deal with, you know, break like breaking this piece of gear and then having to worry about, you know, making it up to my friend, replacing their equipment. They might have to go a while without it. Like, it's just not something I want to have to worry about. So, um I do think that having uh, basically the peace of mind that it's not going to be the end of the world if something goes wrong, um, that, that probably makes people feel a lot more at ease. Yeah, that that's our hope. And, you know, it, it, it happens all the time when people break rods. You know, it happens that, that you know, people have, have hangups while, while they're on a trip. But that's kind of the last last thing we want is for them, you know, not only to have a hang up, but to have a bad experience and have, have to worry about it. And so, you know, I, I wish I could say there's a hard fast of if it breaks on a Tuesday, it's going to be there Wednesday morning at 6am. But, you know, I, I can't, can't give you a hard and fast rule, but we're dedicated to making sure that it's right is what I can tell you. And uh, what is the cost of, like, it, does the cost vary um, between, like, larger items? I know you said that you have the, the packages where you get more of a set of equipment than just an individual item. But is there is there, like, a rough estimate of, say, someone's coming in and it's either their first time fly fishing or maybe they're going somewhere and aren't taking any of their gear. So let's just assume they're getting, like, all the essentials for a day out on the water. You know, rod, reel, waders, boots, you know. Yeah, so... So for kind of the all-in-one package, it's $43 a day. And that gets you, you know, a G Loomis IMX Pro, a hatch reel, um, you know, scientific angler fly line, Sims G3 waders, you know, boots, vest, backpack, cooler. Um, and uh, anything over $50, it's a flat rate of shipping of $25 round trip. And so, you know, for a week at that, if you just kind of extrapolate that out, it's, you know, about 300 bucks to use, you know, Sims gear, Yeti cooler, you know, hatch reel for, for the full week. Yeah. That sounds like a lot at first until you think about how much it would cost to buy all that stuff. Cause that's not, that's not like off brand gear. That's, that's like some pretty decent gear, especially for somebody who might just be starting out. Um, that's nicer than a lot of the gear I use anyway, and I've been doing it for years. So um, that's not a bad deal, especially to try out some of like you're trying out a bunch of different brands, too, which is nice. Um, kind of getting a feel for a lot of different things instead of, you know, only coming out and being like, well, I only know what this one brand is like now. Yeah. And, you know, I think I think that, um, you know, the the retail cost of that would be. Um, you know, if you're not buying it on some steep, you know, garage sale sale, it's probably 2,500 bucks. And so, um, you know, it, it's, uh, we think it's, you know, a pretty good discount from spending 2,500 to 300. And, and, you know, it's one thing to do it and you get junk gear or, or gear that you're not, 
you're not feeling good about yourself when you're on the water, but I think mm-hmm. it's to, to be out there with quality stuff. And, and that's really what we're about is, you know, we don't want to send anyone stuff that's just like, you know, wouldn't be any different from buying up what you would buy at Walmart, right? We want you to feel like you, you're a seasoned veteran out on the water, even if it's your first time. Yeah, that probably gives you a good taste of what it's actually going to be like when you get gear. Because most people eventually are going to want something a little nicer than the the bare minimum. Um, so if, if it's something that they're trying out for the first time to see if they like it, you know, I, I would hope that someone's not completely turned off of fishing because they didn't have the, the best gear. But um, if you go out and you're using, you know, the, the lowest quality gear there is, you know, you might you might get a hole in your waders or the cast might just not be very smooth. And you might just it might just feel a little bit clunkier. And give you a little bit more pause when you think whether you'd like to to do it again. Um, whereas if you get a at least you know baseline good quality experience or an exceptional experience with some good gear, um, I feel like you're much more likely to kind of feel like it's coming more naturally to you and maybe want to continue doing it after the fact. Yeah, I I kind of like it to tuxedos, you know, and and. For me, it's, you know, I go to a wedding once a year, maybe where I, you know, if that where it's black tie and I have to wear a tuxedo and, you know, I've rented from many places and, you know, the, the times stand out where I got a tux where I didn't feel like I was wearing kind of a plastic suit, mm-hmm. you know, you don't want to on a nice occasion feel like, you know, stiff in your waders or uncomfortable or just kind of be thinking about how, you know, maybe I should have have bought that instead. You just want people to have a good time. And so we think with good gear, you know, that, that lends itself to it. For sure. I wanted to transition over to, um, like when when do you think it's a good idea to buy gear versus rent gear? Obviously, you run a rental company, um, so you may be yeah. a bit biased, but um, I'm sure there are times that it's best to recommend buying gear versus renting gear. And, and what would you say uh, on that topic? Yeah, I think if you are an avid um, user, really of of anything, whether it's a car or a home or a you know fly fishing gear, I think if you know significant use out of it um, in a year span then then I would say renting it is probably not the best option for you you know I, I think this caters to a small population but there are some people just with so much money that it, it, you can buy what you'd like but I think for most people who are doing this you know not every weekend of the year or maybe even less than four times a year i think it's worth considering renting just you know you don't have a financial commitment to it you're to the point of what we talked about earlier you're you're testing the gear if you are a buyer of it so so you don't have that commitment where you bought it and now you're stuck with it and trying to figure out if it's really what you like or or if it's not I think just from a flexibility standpoint, if you're also a person who doesn't, you know, kind of make up your mind easily, renting's a great option. But I do truly think that if you're somebody who's avid about what you're doing and you know you're going to be doing it often, 
then then buying is is the way to go but you know for many other occasions i would say renting is is a good alternative and i think renting probably in its past has had a little bit of a negative connotation because you're getting you know seven-year-old waiters or you know in the case of a tuxedo like i mentioned you're getting you know a tux that's been starched so much that it just feels like you're wearing you know a piece of paper I think, you know, with this, it's a little bit of a different experience that, you know, it's high quality. And so it, it really is comparable to what you'd be doing if you were buying um, good new gear. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I had that not been the case, I would have leaned even harder towards buying. But I think as, as renting, um, you know, that world expands into, um, you know, higher quality better managed inventory, uh, you know, all of these things that make it easier to do do that sort of business, drop shipping as well. I think renting becomes a bigger, you know, option to many folks. Well, yeah, and like you said, I mean, it, it's not just, um, well, I, actually, I don't know if you said this or if, if I mentioned it earlier, but it's not just for the people who like don't have the gear yet because I'm like, I'm just picturing this as being a bit like a big value for people who don't want to travel with gear. And I'm not sure if this is, if is something that you've considered, but um, like one of my big sticking points with, with traveling for fishing is that like, I, I often don't want to check a bag. Um, and if I do check a bag, then it's end up going to end up mostly being empty because there's not actually that much stuff to carry for fishing. Uh, and so it, you could obviously ship it, say say if I'm traveling somewhere that I know somebody, I could obviously rent gear and ship it there. But have you thought about having some sort of option where you could like ship rental gear to a local fly shop in, yeah. in, in an area and then someone can come into that fly shop and pick up the gear when they get there? Because I've, I've heard a lot of people bring up the fact that they'd like to rent gear from a fly shop, but then the fly shop doesn't rent gear out and now they're like well now i'm stuck either paying a bunch of extra money to travel with my gear um i don't want to put in a checked bag and have it get destroyed or damaged um so like in ideally i would just never travel with fly gear again i would just rent a rod where i'm going and pop into the closest fly shop pick it up drop it off there when i'm done and then you know it would get shipped back to you is that something that you've thought about or or already have going on you're you're uh, two steps ahead of us on the business plan. That is, <laughs> that's in the works though. What how we think about it, and I think you're you're spot on. Is and this exists like you know in other industries, but kind of like Amazon lockers, right? You know, right. You've got a Bluetooth code, and when you show up to the Jackson Hole, Wyoming, uh, you know, fly shop you're in locker one, two, three, and you type in your code and you're, you know, the gear you're renting is, is waiting there for you. So, um, you know, that's, that's in the plan. I would say we're still a bit away from there, but we're definitely marching to get there in, you know, in a kind of comparable, um, way, I guess there, there's a company that does that in golf, so they they don't actually rent gear, but they ship people's gear and have lockers when it arrives. It's called ship sticks. You know, we're not planning to ship other people, but we do plan to have lockers waiting for for folks 
you know, who are interested in renting our gear and don't want to schlep it because that's, you're right. That's half the battle is, um, you know, do you want to haul that stuff? And, you know, people don't really want to mess with, with that sort of thing when it comes to travel or vacation. It's just like, you know, that's why all inclusive exists. It's like, I, I just don't want to mess with anything. I don't want to carry my, my rod or my reel. Not that reel takes up a lot of space, but you know, I, I think that's where this gets to is, you know, an all encompassing, Hey, we're, you know, deeply rooted in, in the fly shop and outfitter and guide world. And, and that's, you know, one of the ways to, to kind of further ingrain ourselves and, and tie that partnership out. Yeah. I think that would encompass quite a few people. Cause like I said, I, like, I'm happy to carry my flies around, especially because like, I know I, you know, I want to take my own fly pack personally for me. I like having my own fly pack. I know where everything is. I know where all the, you know, things are dangling off the outside. I have it set up exactly how I want. Um, and as much as I love using my own rod at the end of the day, like I'm more than happy to use somebody else's rod. If it means that I don't have to worry about the hassle and same with the waiters. Like if they don't leak, put them on me. I don't, I don't care if yeah. they're mine. Um, so I could definitely see uh, lots of people who are already avid anglers just wanting to take the hassle out and be like, look, I'll just pay the couple hundred bucks. I'm already going to be paying um, money anyway to check a bag with with the risk of potentially damaging my own gear and the hassle of dealing with it when I could pay just a little bit more to borrow it and then not worry about it. So I think that would, that would definitely expand um, your reach into a lot right. more groups because yeah, it, it, it covers people who have already bought their gear and are still willing to rent. Yeah. That's, you know, we were talking about this kind of as we developed the business plan and had these aha moments and in a kind of parallel sense, I don't know if, if you're a subscriber to this, but there's a company out there called rent the runway that rents ladies apparel started with ladies apparel and um, really kind of have reinvented that, that industry, the, you know, kind of ladies fashion. And the day we talked about this idea of lockers, they actually came out and said they were partnering with the hotel brand. So, you know, so that way you don't have to carry on or check a bag. You've just got clothes waiting for you at, at this hotel brand. If you're interested in that, we're like, Hey, that was our idea. <laughs> just a little bit out from getting there but you know so so to in in long i guess yes we're we're planning to be there you know one day it's just kind of you know walking before running i guess yeah i'm sure it takes a bit to to get like partnerships set up and things too because you'd probably have to basically get every fly shop that you want to partner with on board um, yeah, which I'm sure some would be really into, and I'm I'm sure some would be against it, even if just for the idea of you know a major change like that. Yeah, and I think that's that's the biggest piece that we can't account for is just time, and you know this is such a new idea to to you know bring to the table to you know customers as well as other businesses in the industry that i think it's just you know at some point it'll domino by getting you know getting some traction with them and kind of one person hears that their friend is doing it and and all of a sudden it becomes you know more systemic but you know getting there just takes time yeah for sure 
What do you do with um your like say the gear's been around for a couple years and it's not broken but it's just kind of deteriorated a bit. Um, what what happens with that old gear? Like, do you plan to um, just retire it? Would you sell it at like a really discounted rate? Do you have a, a vision for that yet? Yeah, we so we we have a vision for it, and I think this is the path we're going to go. You know, we're not a couple years in, so I don't know exactly, but the thought is to have, you know, kind of comparable to REI's garage sale, have a a blowout, you know, event where, hey, we're selling, you know, maybe a a little tired, but, you know, well-branded gear um, at a fraction of what it'd be to buy new. And so, you know, draw people to to buy who who might not otherwise afford to buy and you know that that population that we just talked about that does this so regularly but also you know wants you know sims waiters that maybe otherwise wouldn't wouldn't be able to afford guide level waiters you know getting those at a at a steep discount from from the new retail price okay and i guess the I think there will be some stuff that we just have to retire that it's like, Hey, we don't really feel comfortable, you know, offering this out, you know, it's just, but I think, you know, it's going to be a mixed bag of, of what, you know, we feel can be sold and then what we're just not comfortable offering to our customer base. Yeah. I'm sure it depends on the type of gear too. I feel like a rod can last as, I mean, as long as no one slams it in a car door that can last a decade without yeah. a problem probably but waiters um you know you can i've i've ripped a pair of waiters two weeks into owning them before right. so you know that's that's a little more up in the air based on based on the use that you know how people are treating them when they're out yeah yeah there's no doubt and and that's what we we've learned in um you know kind of our time in our you know truck rental past is that if you have nice equipment people tend to take care of it better right if it's if it's junk, people treat it like junk. But if, you know, if it comes in a nice package and you feel like you're getting good stuff, generally speaking, people will take care of it like it's their own stuff. So, you know, we think that that kind of lends itself to, you know, an event where we can sell sell some stuff at a very discounted price, you know, at, after we're done with it or, um, you know, evaluating it continuously for going back out on rent and that goes to the customer service piece you mentioned earlier too i feel like you're much more likely to treat gear right when you kind of feel like you know the person who whose gear it is um like i said before if if i'm borrowing my friend's gear like i do not want to ruin it um where if i if i have just find a fly rod on the ground and pick it up like i don't i don't really care you know how i treat it It's, it's just some random piece of gear um so having that you know close customer service people knowing that you're treating them right. Um, I'd be much more likely to care about how I'm treating the gear when I feel like I have a bit of a personal connection to the people on the other side. Um, you know, I don't, I don't want to upset somebody who I've been in contact with for a couple of weeks via email by, you know, returning their gear in, in terrible condition. Right. Yeah. Just getting that extra touch, you know, the relationship there of, of making the customer feel like they're human, you know, it's not just some, machine on the other end of the line that's just cranking out a whole bunch of fishing gear it's you know it's being 
washed and cleaned and you know given some love before it, it arrives at your doorstep. I think that goes a long ways. Um, on on the same kind of note about you know the condition of the gear, um, one thing I did want to touch on that I know we had talked about um, you know before recording is uh, do you have any tips for maintenance of gear like this? Because I feel like a lot of people who own their own gear, um, regardless of whether they know what they should be doing to take care of it, um, at the end of the day, it's their gear, and you know as long as it's still working for them, a lot of people will just continue treating it how they've always treated it. But as someone who owns a business that really relies on keeping the gear in as as good a condition as possible for as long as possible do you have any tips about how to maintain uh not just fishing gear but outdoor gear in general yeah um you know we as we got into this that was you know fairly one of our concerns is hey what are we going to do with with this gear as it comes back and you know, kind of for each piece I've had to evaluate what's the step to clean it and, you know, how do we, you know, how do we make it whole again if it comes back and is a little dirty or, or whatnot. Um, you know, I think one of the tricks of the trade, and, and you probably know this already, Katie, but um, for waiters specifically is, and we've learned this um, just after a few um uh, you know, a few, few rents is first of all, there's no replacement for just washing gently, even by hand with like warm water and a powder detergent. You know, I think that kind of on the exterior, you do that and you hang it dry and things look great. But, you know, the, the big key for waiters, right, is a leak. So, you know, after you do that, um, you know, flip it inside out and inspect for holes. And you know, if you think there's an area that's got a hole, if you spray it with isopropyl, um, it will actually show up dark where that where that leak is. So, um, you know, it's kind of a, an indicator or it is an indicator of where you've got a problem. And, you know, once you dry that off after spraying it, if you just apply some aqua seal, um, you know, and, and let that aqua seal dry, you... Uh, you probably have, you know, more than whole set of waders again. And, you know, I think kind of, if you have to stitch it, there's, you know, it, it's easy to see what you're doing or, or where you're doing it once, once that happens. But, you know, what we found is Aqua Seal does, does a pretty good job. That's so, funny that you went straight to uh, waders. Cause I was going to ask how you um, find the holes in your waders. Cause what we always used to do was like go into a basement, turn off all the lights turn them inside out and then hold a flashlight up to all the seams. And oh, that's brilliant. Light shining through, but then you're trying to like circle it with a Sharpie in the dark. Oh yeah. And, I didn't think about that. Yeah. We, we, so we used to have a bunch of waiters that we'd run out to people, um, at the company I used to work for. And if you, op- if you turn those waiters inside out, it was just like a circus of Sharpie rings wherever there was a hole. That's, that's hilarious. We yeah. have since heard the trick that you mentioned. Yeah. I, um, we, we talked to the folks at Sims and we're like, look, you guys have to be masters at this, right? I mean, every, every one of you is out on the water regularly. You know your product. You know, what what is it that y'all do with with your your own gear? And they they let us in on, on that recommendation. And so it's, it's uh, been really great advice so far because we've, we've had that a few times and it's worked well. Um, you know, kind of to go down the list with, 
and, and this is true, um, you know, with tents, sleeping pads, um, you know, rods. I think there's no substitute for just warm water and dish soap and kind of a fine tooth um, brush just to kind of, you know, wipe it over once, inspect for cracks, dry it off, let it hang dry, you know, pat it down, hang dry, and then store it somewhere dry as well as somewhere safe. You know, I think what we've heard just, just, you know, as recommendations is just as many people break gear by like bumping into, you know, it falling off the shelf or, or whatever, as you know, from mildew of not drying it properly. I think that's, that's a big cause for, you know, kind of expiration of gear, so to speak. But, um, you know, I think warm water and dish soap works pretty darn well from what we found. Sleeping bags, you know, we, we dry clean those. We don't want people to feel like they're touching somebody else's, you know, um, germs or anything that, that, you know, we don't pretend to be experts in dry cleaning. We, we have that dry clean, but fishing line. Um, and I think I, I thought I saw Katie that you, you wrote a piece on this. So I don't, I think what, what I was going to tell you is what I, you know, what we do is probably the exact same thing. We, we put, um, you know, warm water with dish soap, pull the line off the spool, let it soak for a little bit, and then run it through a clean cloth, um, and then run it through a clean cloth a second time, and then um, apply fly line dressing. So if I recall, we were pretty similar in our practice there, but um, th those are our, you know, I don't know if I would say tricks of the trade, but that's what, that's what we do to make sure it's, back up and ready for, for, you know, each subsequent customer. You know, it's funny that you say that we have the same practices for the fly line because um, that, I think that's one of those areas where it's like a do as I say, not as I do, because I definitely know how to clean a fly line, but from everything I've seen, um, and this is, I don't know if this is because it's coming from the manufacturer or if, if people really do this, but they recommend cleaning it after like every one or two times you go fishing and I'm more of a once a year type of person. Yeah, that's what <laughs> we, uh, we asked the folks at Scientific Angler. It's like, hey, do you really need to clean this stuff? I mean, it's just going back in the water, you know, and the people, you know, who we've, we've spoken to don't do it, but once a year and they're like, yeah, you know, if, if you want it right, clean it, you know, don't, don't mess around with it getting getting gunked up or anything like that. So but there's definitely that, that sense, I think around fly line where it's like, you know, no, nobody thinks it's indestructible, but it's like, Oh, it's just line. So it's just going back in the water, but we, we make sure to clean it every time. So at least people feel like, you know, or, or so they get that full experience. For sure. And that makes, that definitely makes sense when your whole, your whole business model is giving people quality gear. That, that was just one of those things that stuck out to me where I was like, I just, you know, if I'm fishing in a place that's really gunky and the line's just coming out gray after every cast, then maybe I'll consider it. But that's one of those ones that I, I know I probably should be better, but I just don't feel like it's worth my time most of the time. Oh, um, yeah. Although I, I, I see done. consistently. 
Yeah, it's like the forgotten stepchild a little bit, even though that I feel like it's the key to, you know, to the whole experience is your fly line. Yeah, that's one of those things that I feel like now when I when I first started, I was, you know, I always heard that like the the rod is what makes a good cast and the past couple of years I've been hearing more of a transition over to like the line makes a big difference. Um not that the rod doesn't, but more of an emphasis on, on how line. how much a fly line can change a cast. Yeah, I've I've heard that quite a bit too. I think uh, that culture is is definitely shifting from kind of rod centric or to you know fly line heavy now. Are there any um, tips that you know of for maintaining fly reels beyond you know if you take it into salt water, you should definitely make sure it's it's rinsed in fresh water. Because the only thing that I've heard really for reels is to like loosen the drag out to nothing when you're done i don't even know really what that's for that's just what i've heard that you should yeah. you shouldn't leave your reels like fully set to like a heavy drag but um do you have yeah. any, th- any knowledge on that i you know i i don't have much more than that you know we've we've had to um just to honestly just to pull one apart and see what it's like to clean one uh disassemble one but i think where we sit is exactly to your point just you know, loosen the drag and, and clean it. But I'm not sure there, you know, that's part of the reason we went with, with hatch at least, you know, um, first of all, they've, they've been great, but is also, they, they make a, you know, maybe indestructible is strong, but they make a pretty strong reel where it's like, Hey, this, this thing can take, take some stuff happening to it. And, you know, even if we clean it every time it, you know, and don't do, you know, a microscopic clean and just make sure that it's, it's, you know, nice, but maybe brand new isn't where it gets back to on the reel, but that it's still, you know, got that same action on it and, and feels good. Mm-hmm. I feel because, like for most people that's fine. Yeah. I, I'm not sure that there's a great solution out there to, to clean the reel and do so, you know, efficiently. And I think as a result, you know, most people end up fly fishing with, you know, dirty reels and do it just fine. Yeah. I mean, most of the time for trout, you're not even really using the reel anyway. So yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> and I feel like it's good news that, um, uh, the majority of fly gear maintenance involves not much more than just like soap and water. Cause I remember when I've, you know, I've looked up, you know, fly line cleaning and waiter cleaning and things like that. And every time it's always like surprisingly easy. I'm always expecting to see, you know, you need to buy this product. And apart from like the fly line dressing, which, you know, you could even consider that optional, I think. Yeah. Um, if, especially if, if you're the type of person like me, that's not even cleaning their line very often. Um, I'm probably also not going to really notice much of a difference between not dressing it and dressing it, even mm-hmm. though I know you're technically supposed to. Um, it seems like most of the maintenance is just as simple as washing things with soap and water, which is, you know, just a really nice low bar to set where it's like, okay, I can definitely, you know, maintain my gear if all I have to do is wash it with things I already have in my house. Yeah. I'll tell you that when we've, you know, first started asking around as to what the best thing was to, to do to clean each piece. And everybody came back with like warm water and dish soap. I was kind of thinking, and I don't know if you've ever seen my big fat Greek wedding, but the father puts like Windex on everything to make. (laughs) I was like, maybe this is just an industry, like old wives tale that, um, you know, is, is just 
this is just something they're telling us, but it seems to be pervasive everywhere and it, it's worked for us, but I was also, you know, kind of blown away by it, by the fact that everyone came back and said, oh yeah, just soap and water, that's all it is. I mean, you see those videos of them washing like the birds that have gotten caught in the oil spills with, you know, dish soap. Yeah. Say that it's like gentle enough for a baby duck. And it's like, well, you know, I guess it's probably okay for my waiters then. Mm-hmm. And you know, it cleans things. So I, I think it, it probably is as effective as people say it is. Yeah, that's a good point. Well, do you just want to um, end by telling people uh, where they can find you if they want to um, come rent something from you? Yeah, sure. Um, for for all you listeners out there, you can find us at bigskyrent.com or at our Instagram handle, which is at Big Sky Rentals. Um, and uh, as well, that's our Facebook handle. So look forward to having everyone join us out there under the big sky. And thank you so much, Katie. Yeah, thank you for coming on. I, I really enjoyed uh, learning about the, the rental options there are now. Yeah, enjoy talking to you as well. Thank you. All right, have a good one. All right, and that'll do it. As I mentioned earlier in the show, this is my last episode under the Wild Initiative podcast feed. So as much as I definitely encourage you to keep listening to the Wild Initiative, go ahead and go over to Apple Podcasts or anywhere else you subscribe to podcasts and also subscribe to the Fish Untamed podcast. Uh, The Fish Untamed podcast is now the only place you'll be receiving these episodes. So go ahead and subscribe there. I'd also love for you to rate and review it if you enjoyed what you heard. And you can find me on social media under Fish Untamed on Instagram and my name, Katie Burgert, on Go Wild. And I will be back here in two weeks. So hopefully I will see you all then. All right. Bye, everybody.